Welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks so much for being here. Busy show today. I want to play for you here, though, a shorter segment we did because we did a long segment, then we had Marsha Blackburn. Uh, so uh, this is a short segment. But you can tack this analysis onto the end of really any segment. <laughs> That's right. So anytime we do a segment or you ever you're here anywhere of something ridiculous, something crazy, and we know it. Like, we call them out for it. You have the leader, you have the president, you have whoever does something absurd, says something that's a straight lie, and you call them out on it, and the truth is revealed, and they still double down on it. Like, what in the world? Well, that is, the emperor has no clothes. But the original ending, not the, the children's ending that we've made up with in the last uh, whatever, how many years. The original Hans Christian Andersen ending is perfect. It's exactly what's going on around us. Joker, I think his name is producer Zach, put up a poll on the SiriusXM Patriot Twitter page. Should Slater Radio be allowed to coach his children's soccer teams? Listen, uh, random person who put that up, producer Zach. The question is not, should I be allowed? The question is, is Slater Radio the most qualified coach in the country for his kids' soccer? Probably the world. But should, the question, should Slater be coaching the U.S. national team? Or his seven-year-old soccer team? That's the question. When I was in uh, high school, we had uh, Tim Green was the, the high school football coach. Tim, NFL player Tim Green. Like, so overqualified for this position. That's the problem. Not should I be allowed. Uh, being allowed wasn't, wasn't the question. <laughs> missed the point there. All right, let me uh, make this point quick because I know you're thinking... Senator, how can this nonsense go on? How can this woke nonsense go on? How can uh, like everything, all the craziness, all the insanity. And even when people are outed, that's the, that's the thing. Even when people are outed, they carry on. And like, we just, we just all keep going. <laughs> what do you, like, what, how can that be? Dan Gaynor on Monday mentioned the emperor's new clothes. And we all remember the story. We all remember the kid's book. Or I like the kid's book version of the story. But the ending is different. The ending's different. So remember the, the swindlers come to town and they say, hey, these clothes are made of a, a cloth that's invisible to anyone who's unfit for office. Anyone unfit, they can't see it. So no one wanted to say the truth. No one wanted to say they can't see it because then they'd be deemed unfit for their position with the king, right? So the king sends out his men and, 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 and you know, the people come and they're like, I don't see anything, <laughs> but they, they don't want to admit it. So they're like, oh, it's beautiful. It's stunning. The patterns, the colors. Oh, it's unbelievable. I'm spellbound. It's magnificent. Unsurpassed. And they go on and they keep their job. Here's the part of the story, though. Hans Christian Andersen, when he wrote it, he put a certain ending to it. But every time I ever read it as a kid and the retelling of it for kids, they, they changed the ending. So, so the way I always read the story was the, the emperor's, being marched through the streets naked and no one says anything. But then a kid, there's some kid who says, Hey, he's not wearing any clothes. And then everyone burst out in laughter. And then the King runs away in shame. The King can't believe he's in, he's in town naked and he runs away 
and that's the end of the story. That's not what happened. The real story is the kid notices, whispers to his dad. His dad then whispers to someone else. So there's all these whispers for a long time. So it's not an immediate, he's naked, and then everyone laughs. It's this long, slow, drawn out, I think he's naked, I think he's naked. It goes out, there's no clothes. Not wearing clothes. So it goes on for a long time. That's the first thing. There's a lot of, a lot of murmuring for a long time. Eventually, people laugh. But then, the emperor keeps marching. That's the key to the story. In the new kids' versions, the, the, kid, the, the king is embarrassed and runs away. I, I have this scene, uh, this one from my childhood, where the, the emperor, he's like a skinny, scrawny guy. Uh, kind of looks like Joe, I guess. Uh, oh, by the way, for the TV special, we're recording a TV special after the show today. I got a clip from Joe Biden back in 2020 during the debate with Kamala where Kamala yells at him. And he's like, he looks pretty good. Four years ago, he looked pretty good. Doesn't do- Anyway, so I got this picture of like a king, kind of like Joe Biden, he's naked with a crown on. And he's, he's like cartoon running away where there's like a puff of like, like dust at his feet or whatever. And he's like running away in shame. He can't wait to get away from all the people because now they realize he's not wearing any clothes. That, that's not what happened. Here's the original. This is uh, Hans Christian Andersen. The emperor shivered, for he suspected they were right. But he thought, this procession has got to go on. So he walked more proudly than ever, as his noblemen held high the train that wasn't there at all. Then the story ends. He kept walking, prouder than ever. And everyone around him kept holding this train behind him, of his robe that didn't exist. He kept walking. 150 years ago, Hans Christian Andersen nailed it. He knew that the king would be shameless. He knew the king wouldn't just run away. He knew the king was going to keep going as everything, everything was great. And he knew that every, all the king's men were going to keep going on as if there was indeed a beautiful robe behind him. That's our leader today. So we see a, a ridiculous story and we call it out. We're like, oh, like, like whatever, you name whether it's Fauci or whoever, Biden or whatever, you call them out, and you're like, oh, that's the end of that, right? Like, they're definitely going to resign in shame and be the end of it. Nope. They keep going as if everything's great, prouder than ever, and the people around them carry the train as if it's really there, even after they've been outed. They don't even care. Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for listening. Um, Peter Schweitzer, his new book, Blood Money. Are you kidding me? Wait till you hear this. And you, you can come to no other conclusion than this isn't. This is war. This is absolutely chemical warfare. This is all perfectly in line with Sun Tzu. We, China's at war with us. But we're not with them. No one better at investigating. And he's got a new book. He's now crushing it on Amazon. Blood Money. Why the powerful turn a blind eye while China kills Americans. Bold title there, Peter. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good. Good to be with you, Mike. Thanks you for having me. You didn't hold back on the title, but uh, the, the content of the book uh, backs it up. 
because uh, Americans yeah, are being it, killed. It, it, I, I, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty startle thing to say China kills Americans and people think about COVID. Um, certainly, um, I think that's an example of it. I talk about how uh, China maximized the body count uh, in the United States over COVID, but they're doing it in so many different ways. Fentanyl, um, weapons devices that are sowing violence in the streets, um, it's it's a severe problem, and it's it's really there's really two sides of this, Mike. I mean, America's on fire, and and uh, China's holding a can of gasoline, but our leaders are silent, and that's part of it. We've been under attack before, but our leaders have always stood up for us, and right now they're simply not doing that. We so let's talk about fentanyl specifically here, and maybe we can get some other ones yeah. too. But the fentanyl's the big one. And I don't know if people are like fentanyl out about talking about it or whatever. But like, oh, like this is one of the major problems of our country. But we had a guy call in two days ago because I was talking about how you're coming up on Wednesday. And he said, hey, make sure you ask Peter about the opium wars. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, okay, what about? And he's like, oh, well, this is just like retaliation for the opium wars. Like we poisoned and drugged them and now they're poisoning and killing us. And sure enough, chapter one, the new opium wars. So take us back in yeah. time. What, what were the first opium wars? Yeah, so the opium wars were uh, really the British and some American investors. In, in fact, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's grandfather uh, was involved in this. But they produced opium, and they sold it in China. And the Chinese government um, tried to halt the trade. Uh, and the British in particular, with some American support, um, prevented them um, from stopping the trade of opium. And it reached such a critical mass that – it's estimated by 1900, almost 25% of the Chinese population were addicted to opium. Wow. I um, mean, it really took China from being, at the beginning of that century, you know, a, a, an advanced major power to decimating them. And so this is still taught in Chinese schools. President Xi talks about it all the time. And yes, there's no question um, that this is a replay of the opium wars. Although I would say, you wow. know, in a way, this one is even more potent. Because, you know, most of the people that are dying of overdoses of fentanyl don't even know they're taking fentanyl. It, it's laced into other drugs, oftentimes pharmaceuticals that people think are just prescription drugs. You know, a, a college student, uh, you know, is studying for a test and, and, a, and a buddy says, oh, I've got some Adderall. You want to take an Adderall yeah. so you can concentrate better. It uh, turns out it's actually a street uh, Adderall that is laced with fentanyl and they die. So it's a potent, potent weapon. It's the leading cause of death of people under the age of 45 in the United States. Crazy. Um, and and it, it, is, it is having a dramatic effect on our country. And China's involvement in this is not just the precursors. Every step, every stage of the yes. chain of fentanyl coming to the United States has China's involvement directly in it, including the money laundering. The drug okay. cartels used to launder their money in Latin American banks. They now launder their money in Chinese state-owned banks. Okay, all right. We <laughs> talk about all that stuff. Uh, the book's called Blood Money. Go buy it. You can read all about it. But just one last point on the opium wars, because you mentioned it's still taught to kids today, which makes sense if you were Chinese. So, so the British sold or, or grew opium in its Indian colonies and shipped it into China and drugged their people and destroyed. I mean, like the emperor at the time was talking about like it's destroying our morals and our families and our culture and people are dying. And I was like, so, so was that? So first question, was that intentional? Like, were they like, hey, let's drug the Chinese back in the 1800s? Uh, that was my first question. And my second question was, oh, if it's still taught our kids as to Chinese kids today, I'm sure they're very bitter about it. So you could easily 
if you were taught that this happened, and it seems like it did, you could be very bitter and really easily rationalize doing this back to America or the West. Yeah, that's right, especially the West. I mean, you're right. I mean, it was really mostly a British operation. There were some American investors involved. But, yes, that's right. They would grow opium. They were selling it into the Chinese market. I think, by and large, for a lot of the people um, uh, involved in it, it was a commercial enterprise. They made huge sums of money. Uh, There were trading companies that were known – uh, you know, that, that it was said they made their reputation selling tea, but they made their profit selling opium. Uh-huh. Um, and that's really the way in which this was done. And, yeah, you can understand why China, looking at its history, um, can see this um, as as something to be angry and frustrated about. Of course, you know, human history, you can look back 100 years, we could still be mad at the Germans and the Japanese. Uh, I um, but I think what the CCP has done is said, we're going to use this. Is part of what they call um, uh, uh, disintegration warfare. That's what they describe the doctrine. And the idea is, how can we weaken and disintegrate the United States without actually fighting a battle with them? And so fentanyl has become not just a money-making scheme for them, but a stratagem uh, mm. to use as against the United States to weaken us. And it's That's working. Obviously in line with Sun Tzu, no question about that. Um, yeah. What really woke me up to the fentanyl thing was Fentanyl, Inc., and the book and the fact that these chemicals that that are turned into fentanyl came from a quaint little town called Wuhan. Not, did you yeah. hear? Have you ever heard about that, Peter? This little, <laughs> this little village nestled in. Like, what, I was like, what are you kidding me? Wuhan. Well, there's like a thousand cities in China, and they come from Wuhan. There's no way. Yeah. Okay, so we yeah. we know that now. But take us along the route, because I always thought it was okay. It starts in Wuhan, and they sell it to the drugs, uh, the drug lords in. Mexico, and uh, it's off to the races. But you say, no, China's involved the whole time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think when people talk about focus on the drug cartels in Mexico, they're the junior partners. So the precursors are made in Wuhan and other parts of China, and 90% of them uh, go to a port in Mexico called Manzanillo. Uh, It's on the West Coast. Um, At that port, the international terminal is actually run by a Chinese state-owned company called Hutchison that has a long history of cooperation with the Chinese military. So precursors come into Mexico. They come into a port illegally that is run by a Chinese company. It's then shipped north uh, to um, where the Sinaloa cartel is now going to take those precursors and turn them into fentanyl. But they have the help of 2,000 Chinese nationals. Uh, according to government reports, who actually do most of that work for them. They've now got the pure fentanyl, but they need to put it into pills. They need to you know, create some kind of delivery mechanism. So they need to create pills. They need to create pills that look like Vicodin, that look like Adderall. So what do they do? They import and get pill presses from China. And uh, according to our Department of Homeland Security, uh, they sell those pill presses, the Chinese do, to the drug cartels at cost. In other words, they're not price gouging them. They're not trying to make a lot of money. So now they take that that um, fentanyl that's in pill form. They transport it into the United States. Uh, Mike, if you're a drug cartel, you've got to have secure communications, right? You can't have a U.S. law enforcement eavesdropping on you. So what do the Mexican cartels use? They use Chinese apps and Chinese communication devices that are encrypted in China because they know that the Chinese will not share that information with U.S. law enforcement. So the communications devices are all based on uh, Chinese encryption technology and cr- Chinese devices. 
And then the final component is the money laundering. You, you're making all this money selling these illicit drugs in the United States. Uh, you've got to launder the money. Turns out the cartels used to launder their money in Latin American banks. They now launder them in Chinese state-owned banks. And in fact, according to government reports that were leaked to me, in which I quote, a lot of that money laundering is done with the assistance of Chinese students that are in the United States on mm. visas. So this is a this is a Chinese operation with assist from Mexico. This is not a Mexican drug cartel operation by itself. Interesting. More than interesting. Uh, what's what's more than interesting? What's a level higher than interesting? Uh, that's what this is. This is uh, damning. This is uh, this is like what the heck is wrong with us? How can we allow this to go on? And that's that's the essence of your book is like turning the blind eye to it. That's amazing. Real quick on the on the so we've talked a lot about the amount of Chinese people coming across our southern border. Uh, yeah, I, you put one piece of the puzzle there. Is is that perhaps one reason why to help with money laundering? Absolutely. Or is that just something that happens? I mean, I, to happen? there, yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. Um, so you've got a couple of things going on. You've got the fentanyl trade. The other thing that's happening is. We have a massive problem in the United States with very potent uh, illegal marijuana being sold. Uh, I'm not talking about the marijuana that people took in college in the 1990s. This is very potent stuff, um, and it's illegal because it's so potent. But there are literally hundreds, thousands of illegal marijuana grows taking place in the United States that are being run by Chinese nationals um, that are here illegally. In the state of Maine alone, just the state of Maine, uh, there are 300 known illegal marijuana grows in that state that are run by Chinese nationals. What? Um, in, in California, uh, there are God knows how many. Law enforcement there says 97 percent of those illegal marijuana grows are being done by Chinese nationals who are illegally in the country. They found them in Oklahoma. So, yeah, this is, uh, you know, sure, I'm, some of the people crossing the border are probably looking for a better life. But there is absolutely a systematic effort. Uh, to bring people into the country to do us harm. Um, and it shows this fusion between the Chinese government and Chinese organized crime. They work together. They're cooperative. President Xi has family members who are tied to or- Chinese organized crime. His political career, he rose to power um, in a province, Fujian province, which is the center of Chinese organized crime. Uh, and he sees that as a very powerful weapon to use against the United States. And an open border helps him to do that. Unbelievable. Uh, Blood Money is the name of the book by Peter Schweitzer. Uh, listen, this is this is chemical warfare. I think like like Ross Perot talked about this. Uh, obviously, it's nothing like what it is now. But like, at, at what point do we view this as an intentional attack on Americans? Just Sun Tzu style attack. Like, but like, and like, yeah. what do we do then? Well, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, uh, and I think this is one of the reasons you don't see much action in Washington. Part of it is you have some political leaders who are aware of this, uh, but they have entanglements. So it's, it, it's embarrassing to them and raises awkward questions, so they don't want to address it. Joe Biden being an example of that. Um, the, the, the leader of a Chinese criminal gang, uh, UBG, they're the gang that set up the Sinaloa cartel in the fentanyl trade, made them the kings of fentanyl. Uh, it's headed by a gentleman, Zhang Anli, who goes by the name White Wolf. White Wolf had a business partner, and that business partner sent $5 million to the Biden family. So you've got, I'm not suggesting the Bidens are involved in the drug trade, but you've literally got one degree of separation from the people that are spreading this pose poison and the first family. So Joe Biden does not want to have a conversation about 
Chinese involvement in fentanyl. Um, but the other problem is you've got people that may not have those entanglements in Washington, but, you know, they're go along to get along. They don't want to make tough choices. And based on this information, I think you're right. They are killing Americans. It is an intentional act of war. Um, you can't have a normal relationship with that country. You can't say, oh, let's talk about trade. Let's talk about enhancing yeah. trade. Let's talk about technological cooperation. You have to call them out. You have to challenge them on it. And I think we both know if the roles were reversed, if we were doing the opium wars against them again, um, they would be absolutely challenging us and talking to us about this and, and, and taking direct action. Well, but our leaders a- are absolutely asleep at the switch. So that's actually one of my questions. The book is called Blood Money. And by the way, the UBG gang is called the United Bamboo Gang. That's right. right. That's, a, that's kind of a silly name. Don't you think? It one of, it's not. It's not a scary name, but I think he makes up for the with, with White Wolf. White Wolf is a that's pretty, right. Uh, that's way better. One of my favorite stories um, was back. Geez, when was this? I'm making this up. 2006. Let's say. Uh, no, it had to be longer than that. Maybe 2016. Sorry, I like miss a decade or so. Um, and it was uh, uh, Leland Yee. He was a state senator in California, and he was running for attorney yeah. general, and he got arrested. For tracking, for for trafficking shoulder-fired rocket launchers and machine guns, he was a state senator from yeah. an Islamic terrorist group called the Moro Islamic Liberation Front from the Philippines, called MILF, uh, via <laughs> via the head of a gang in San Francisco whose leader was called Shrimp Boy, and like that, yeah. that's that story. <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, Shrimp yeah. Boy, sorry, just. Thought a shrimp boy there, United Bamboo Gang. Yep. Two two not threatening names. Um, all right, you mentioned uh, the, so this White Wolf. Let's talk. Uh, no, no, sorry. I'll get to White Wolf in a second. Oh, we only got like four minutes. Darn it. Okay, here's my big question: Do we have similar control over their country? So, like, they control our infrastructure. The FBI director talked about this the other day. You know about it more than anyone. So, yep. so do we also control their ports? Do we also control yep. their cell phone towers? Do we control their internet and their water infrastructure? Do we have the same operations over there? No, no, not at all. And this was all predicated on the premise that if we do these things with China, they'll become more like us. Uh, and they haven't. Uh, under Xi, they've become more aggressive. So, yeah, they, they absolutely uh, have us vulnerable. Uh, they have this strategy of disintegration warfare. And, and there is violence on our streets. I mean, what, one of the things I talk about in the book is this small device called a Glock switch. You can add it to a Glock handgun, highly illegal in the United States, um, unless you get a very, very, very special permit. Uh, you know, law enforcement gets it. It turns a Glock handgun into a fully automatic machine gun. Well, the, the, the Chinese started smuggling these into the United States beginning in 2018. And according to Homeland Security, um, they do, you know, these are documents I got leaked. Um, these switches were particularly by the Chinese targeted to criminal gangs and drug cartels operating in the United States to give them firepower against our law enforcement. Um, And the rate of machine gun fire incidents in the country have skyrocketed. Just go on YouTube and and Google, you know, or, or, or search for Glock switch police, and you will see our police, you know, across the country driving down the street, and suddenly there's a barrage of machine gun fire from these Glock switches. Um, And the odds are overwhelming that they came from China. Uh, And this is part of a Chinese explicit strategy to show um, chaos and and violence in American streets. There's no question about it. All right, I got two minutes, and this is all. This is it's good to do this in two minutes, right? And you can do it better than anyone. Uh, White Wolf, White Wolf to Biden, take us there. 
connects some dots. Yeah. Uh, so White Wolf is a guy with a long criminal history. He served jail in the United States for uh, for distribution of drugs. Um, he's pro CCP, uh, and he's one of the leaders of the of the UBG gang uh, that we talked about. Um, and UBG in in the early 2010s hooked up with the Sinaloa cartel with the cooperation of the CCP um, and said to the leaders there, look, you're making money on cocaine, but we can give you a profit margin 10 times that amount with this thing called fentanyl. We'll get you the chemicals. We'll get you pill presses. We'll provide people and bring them, import them into Mexico that will help you produce this fentanyl. We will help you run the entire thing. That's what White Wolf helped to do. So White Wolf, of course, has uh, is legitimized in China. Even though he's engaged in this criminal activity, he wanders there openly. One of the business partners um, that he uh, had um, was a gentleman named Yang Yimin, who has since disappeared. But Yang Yimin was the gentleman who gave a $5 million, quote-unquote, loan to the Biden family uh, in 2017. Um, and that is the one degree of separation you have Whoa. between – uh, these activities. I would also add that Abby Lowell, who is the Biden's uh, family lawyer, represented another Chinese businessman named Heng Lap Seng, who it turns out is widely believed to be a member of another criminal syndicate involved in the drug trade. Uh, Abby Lowell personally represented him. So you have these entanglements uh, involving not just the Bidens, not just Abby Lowell, but others that make it very, very hard and very embarrassing uh, for people to raise issues about China's involvement in the fentanyl trade, and that is leading to more Americans dying because they will not be confronted on these things. Unbelievable. Blood money. Why the powerful turn a blind eye while China kills Americans by Peter Schweitzer. Un- 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 that's unbelievable, but no one researches better and has the facts more than Peter. Peter, well done, sir. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, what, what, what do you do with all that? But it's policy. We have policy differences. Listen, this is why, and this is how we got to go. But this is Alice's main point is Biden's not just old. That's reason like 48 to vote against him. Blood Money by Peter Schweitzer. I'm American made. Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. And thanks for your advice on uh, how to be a, uh, my seven-year-old son's soccer coach. <laughs> Getting a ton of emails on that, which is very helpful. Slater, not drills. I can handle the drills. I can Google that. But just a, like life advice on how to handle that and do that well. Slater at Breitbart.com. Slater Radio on the Twitter and the Instagram as well. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word. Oh,